Welcome to the Movie Business Podcast, picking up where Movie Business Book left off. I'm Jason Squire, hosting a wide range of industry talent and executives to answer fundamental questions about the business today. Here we go. And today we explore the secrets of the chairman's role with Alan Horn, who has served as head of three studios and founder of another. Most recently, he was chairman of Walt Disney Studios. Before that, he was president and COO of Warner Brothers. Earlier, he co-founded and was chairman of Castle Rock Entertainment and president and COO of 20th Century Fox. During his tenures, Allen has overseen some of the most popular screen entertainment over 30 years. He's received several industry honors for his leadership and also served on the board of the Natural Resources Defense Council for 30 years and chairman for the final three years. Welcome, Alan. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. So no doubt there are many secrets to divulge today. Uh, for example, what was it like? What was it like to be one of the few people in the business who can say yes? Well, I would say that it is a rather large responsibility, which is not lost on anyone who has it, because it's uh, important to try to address the need to serve both art and commerce, if you will, and find that elusive balance between them. I do feel that uh, any decisions made do have an impact even on the culture, if speaking broadly about it. So um, it's exciting, but it's also challenging. I can imagine. I mean, the idea of, of saying yes, you know, have you read a screenplay and then it's finally up to you? Other people have no doubt uh, voiced their, their votes. Is that, is that the way it works? Yes. Uh, when, when a screenplay is brought to me for approval, it already has gone through a number of levels. It, at Disney, for example, there were all these different studios, Pixar, Marvel, Lucasfilm, Disney Animation, and the Fox, formerly Fox Studios and everything. So a lot of preparation goes into getting a piece ready to be greenlit. And when it was it is submitted to me, there is a completed screenplay and there is a budget and all that stuff. Uh, my process, because I'm very screenplay driven, was to be very, very conscientious, if not, I, I wouldn't say critical, but very, very committed to the screenplay itself, because I think of the screenplay as that which launches the whole thing. But there is an inherent imperfection in that process, which is that unlike let's say at a book company where we're given we would be given um, a draft if you will of a, of a piece to be published I would be experiencing that piece in the medium in which it was intended to be seen by its ultimate audience that's not the case with the screenplay of course it is meant to be seen on film and so after the screenplay is approved there's there's actors and actresses and producers and of course the director who will then realize their vision of that and the medium in which it will be experienced by the audience is therefore film so there's a certain imperfection built into the process it's hard to envision what the casting chemistry will result in or or how a director might uh, 
might realize the vision, and maybe it would be different than something that uh, that seems to jump out from the screenplay itself. So let's ask a broader question uh, overall about lessons learned from serving as a top studio executive. Well, I would say the most important lesson, I'll give you a few of them. One is that quality, in my belief, quality is the best business plan. I didn't come up with that line. I heard it from others, but I believe that. I believe at the end of the day, quality trumps everything else. It is, it is it is everything, which is why the screenplay has to be the best it can be before launching, and you have to have a director that's appropriate to the piece, actors and actresses, and so on. I've always believed that every film has to contain some combination of heart and humor. I've actually never seen a film that could not benefit from both, even those which would not lend themselves easily to humor, for example. There is wry and dry humor, there's even gallows humor that might be appropriate. I also learned to be pretty tough about the approval process because the picture you don't make, you broke even on. So I'm very careful, <laughs> very careful to, to be sure that, uh, that whatever I am approving seems to satisfy the twin criteria of art and commerce. It has to be something that we think we can make money on. We're not in the business to do something that at the end of the day, we know won't work. So if someone comes to me with the, I'm making it up, the Adolf Eichmann musical, <laughs> that's something that would uh, generate a lot of uh, skepticism from me. They'd have to go work really hard to convince me that something like that might make commercial sense. I also learned not to point fingers in failure. It's easy to do when something happens, uh, things don't work, and I've seen folks immediately uh, distill to a place where they are pointing fingers at another group, marketing, for example. And I believe uh, it is never productive to do that. We are one team. We try together. We fail together. I also am reminded of Bill Goldman's statement from his book, Adventures in the Screenplay, where he said, no one knows anything. And I think that's true. And I can remember the difficulty, right. uh, the process by which we approved at Warner Brothers, for example, Million Dollar Baby, Clint Eastwood's picture. When it was first brought to me, uh, the creative group did not want to do it. They said, uh, women don't care about a fight movie and men don't care about a fight movie with women in it. And Clint um, brought it to us and I passed. And about a couple of months later, he found a partner to contribute some money, came back, and I said yes. And then it turned out to win Best Picture. Right. So as I said to our creative group in the aftermath of that, in the post-mortem of all of that, I said somewhere between not making it at all, passing, and winning Best Picture from the Academy is a huge gulf. And we need to ask ourselves if our process is as good as we think it is. Those are the kind of things that, that I took with me. I also, overarching everything is a tremendous respect. You have to love this business to want to do it. You have to love movies to want to do it. To have my job, you just can't be some business guy that cares only about the numbers. So it's important to respect the artists and their uh, ability to bring whatever it is that they envision to fruition. 
I, I respect them and dealt with them with thoughtfully and with sensitivity. I also learned not to take credit. I actually believe that taking credit kind of works. <laughs> I've seen people who take credit, and you know what? It kind of works. But for me, it was never about that. I wanted to give the credit to the creative folks, to the artists that, that actually made the films. And the final thing is that, uh, well, no, that's a couple of things, that I learned to, in my words, practice the art of underreaction. And by that I mean that creative decision-making carries with it emotional emotional work, if you will. The folks, the artists who present these things are passionate. They, they care about their work, and they are very passionate about it. And sometimes uh, the decision, not just about whether to make a movie or not, whether to make a green light, a green light but also particular scenes or what happens in the uh, arc of a character and all that. And I learned that it's best sometimes just to listen. And that's what I mean by underreaction, to just listen carefully, let people vent, let people say whatever it is that they feel strongly about, and then at the end of the day arrive at a decision together. And finally, I would say I learned to and this has been a lifetime thing for me, to never lie to anyone about anything. Because I believe that if you want to be a leader, you therefore need people to follow you, and they won't follow you if they don't trust you, and they won't trust you if you lie to them. So um, <laughs> that's been a part of my you know, practice as I've gone through my career. Very good. That's so helpful to hear. Now. Let me ask, in general, you've been the head of these studios, and they must have different cultures. Were there memorable differences among the studio cultures? Well, yes. Um, it was very pronounced when I, when I was at Warner Brothers. Uh, for example, if you go into the executive office building at Warner Brothers and look at the framed photographs of Academy Award-winning films that line the walls, You'll see Denzel Washington in Training Day, that famous iconic picture of him with the black shirt and the huge diamond cross, all these things. These are pictures, or the departed Scorsese's picture. These are pictures that can be made at a studio like Warner Brothers, which has a wide variety of the kinds of films they will make, including very hard R movies, as well as PG movies like, I don't know, Happy Feet or something, or Harry Potter. At Disney, when I went there, if you go down the hall and look at the framed photographs, you see Snow White, uh, Bambi, or, or something that might represent Little Mermaid, I don't know, all these films, not just animated films, but films that are, let's say, broadly family films. Mm -hmm. And when I left Warner Brothers and went to Disney, where I spent a decade, I remember thinking, how hard can this be? Bunny Mouse, Bunny Mouse, and then... But it was, it was interesting. It was challenging. And I loved the culture at Disney because they, the kind of films they made uh, were just very comfortable for me. The kind of films I could bring my family to and everything, no worries. Mm -hmm. I loved the other films as well, but Disney was a very comfortable place for me. Very good. So let's turn to a subject that's quite current. Would you like to comment on the double strikes that have hobbled the industry? Well... Sure. These 
it's obviously gone on for a while. There's a lot of passion uh, and uh, emotion being exhibited. My view is, and I've said this to others, that we, and by we, I mean the studio folks, the writers, the actors, the directors, the producers, we are all uh, navigating in our little boats, uncharted waters, headed towards some kind of a new normal, a new normal which will allow for a hybrid model of traditional theatrical releases, talking about movies for a moment, but this applies to television too, traditional theatrical releases or traditional television network releases and streaming. And streaming uh, is not going away. Whatever the new normal will be, will must be a hybrid of these uh, different vehicles for bringing product to the consumer. When people are in uncharted waters, life is uncertain. And uncertainty creates fear. And fear sometimes leads to mistrust. And I'm sorry to have seen this uh, evolve to the place that it seems to be, but it seems to me it's gotten personal. There's a lot of personal anger expressed, naming different executives, for example. And I'm sorry to see that because there is huge compensation that one can identify uh, not only in the executive ranks, but also in the acting ranks or writing ranks. I mean, I just think it's, I think we should stick to the issues and, and not allow it to get personal. Having said all that, at the end of the day, and it will be, I think, a long day, the writers and the actors and the other creative folks need to work. They need to make their product. They need to do what they do. And conversely, the studios need their artistry. The studios need the output of their work. They need them. So I believe when both parties need each other and have an incentive, therefore, to compromise, to make a deal, I think a deal will be made. It's just too important to all parties. So I think a deal will be made. So I'm optimistic, but I will say it's been a rough, uh, it's been a rough time. Right. Uh, it sure is. Well, let's, let's hope that cool heads prevail on both sides and, yes. and, and sooner rather than later. Now, here's an opportunity to widen to a long shot about the business. What's your prognosis for the business in general? Well, I'm optimistic going to the core of it, which is the creation of content by creative people, by artists, for um, production and consumption by an audience. I believe that I'm very... I'm very, in a way, sanguine about all of that. People want content. They want to be entertained. And, and they will be. They will have it. I don't know what form it will take or how it will evolve over the years. But I do think that the, this business is not going away. But right now, in this, in this sort of middle place we're in, I know, for example, if I click on my Apple TV, and I look at the offerings available from Netflix, from Disney Plus, from Max, from Amazon Prime, from Peacock, from all of them, Hulu. The number of offerings, series and films, is rather overwhelming. 
there's just an overwhelming number of choices available if one wishes to peruse them by just kind of scrolling through them. And I think there has to be some consolidation because it's just too much, just too overwhelming. It's too hard to, too hard to for any any group of consumers to embrace. Let me go back for a moment and talk about your your management style to emphasize uh, how unique it is as head of a studio, as a, a chief creative officer. How subjective all of this is. You know how it relies on instinct and. It's the kind of thing that's, you know, you just can't teach it. Isn't that true? I think that I certainly learned in my career progression from being a young guy, started at 29 with the now 101-year-old uh, Norman Lear, famous Norman Lear. I did learn certain things, and I think some of it, therefore, is teachable. How to talk to these artists, for example, what to say when they come in and look at you and ask for a response to the to the script or to the cut of a film or whatever, how to handle that discussion. It, I think instinct in terms of evaluation of a piece is important and requires from the reader or the watcher a high, I'll say, EQ. I think you have to be uh, a sensitive person and empathetic and be able to tap into those things I look for in the film, heart and humor, for example. And I am a person who would say, I'm sorry, but there's, a, a, there's something that happens dramatically in this piece, and I'm not seeing the moment. The moment when one character looks at another character and there's an exchange, and all of a sudden you start to choke up. Because, because it's emotionally grabbing. I like to see that. Mm -hmm. And I would argue that it's important to have it in every film. I can remember back in the day showing Norman Lear a pilot of something I've done, I had supervised because he turned over the creative work to me and took a, took a long-term sabbatical. He left the production of the television shows. And he said to me, Alan... This is funny and all of that, but where is the moment? And I went, oh, he's right. That moment when, when one is moved emotionally. Well, thank you for that. This has been, uh, the time has gone too quickly. It's been uh, so informative and enlightening. Uh, thank you so much for participating in the Movie Business Podcast. Alan Horn. Thank you, Alan. Uh, thank you, Jason. I hope your, your folks enjoy this and appreciate your taking the time with me. Thank you.